Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. As I look over at this wonderful group of people, I'm sensing that there's a lot of mature Christians here. Christians who have come to faith alone in Jesus Christ, but they have actually gone on to become more fully obedient worshipers of the Lord. And maybe that's where you are. And so for just a moment, I'd like to just speak to you. Because even though we sing those songs and we really mean them because they're really coming after a time that we have purposely fulfilled our our surrender to the Lord, probably the biggest question I'm asked as a pastor afterwards is, why is all of this stuff happening to me? Why does it seem like I go through so many challenges in my life? And here I am. I've given my life to Christ. I've surrendered to His Lordship. I've chosen to live according to the book here. Isn't it supposed to get easier? Isn't my health supposed to get better and my wealth supposed to get greater? How come is it that the more I surrender to the Lord, it just seems like I go through trials and challenges? Well, to you that perhaps asked that question, I would like to share with you from God's Word today the answer of what to do when you suffer persecution or suffering as a Christian. And to do that, I've selected three categories of suffering. And I find as I look at those three categories that we'll probably will go in and out of all three of those in one way or another. And so maybe what you'd like to do is to lay those three categories in front of you and then God's word alongside those three categories and see how that you can properly respond to when you go through suffering. Here's the first category, and that's what we call common suffering. Common suffering are just the things that we go through every day that just happen to us because we just live life in a fallen world. In fact, Job, who we read a lot about suffering, he even said this. He said, man is appointed unto troubles as the sparks fly upward. Any of you that have gone camping or if you've emptied a bucket of hot coals and charcoal, you'll notice that the sparks will fly upward. So just like that happens all the time, we're going to have suffering in our own life that are just kind of normal in your life. And some of it could be very severe and some of it might not be. I'm thinking of someone right now, I'm holding up a note that I've received from this pastor's wife who she loves to ride her bicycle and she was hit by a truck and was so badly wounded that she writes now four years later and Carol and I have partnered with this pastor and his wife in California and here's what she writes to you as well. This is Arlene and David Hotelling. Dear family in Christ in Hawaii, I just want to say thank you. You prayed for this partially broken pastor's wife for nearly four years now. God's still busy mending all my broken pieces and trying to put me back together again. Some probably won't be repairable, so life will never be the same, but not ruined, just different. That's so hard for non-Christians to understand, but that's okay. God put them in my life because we're all broken and needing to be repaired. Then she goes on to say, sometimes it's frustrating, but in all of this, it is still his plan. So thank you for your prayers. You're in his plan too. Love to you all, Arlene. So I don't know what struggles that you might go through, but there could be what I might just call common suffering. Carol and I had one that wasn't as all, at all dramatic, but at the moment it seemed to be. Those of you who know Carol know that she's very fastidious about how she keeps things and it's got to be neat and clothes hung up and her house looks like a Martha Stewart sometimes, all right? And so we had some people come over to the house and they brought us a box of chocolate and they were so kind to do that. And we didn't have time to eat the chocolate because we were going to go to services and then after the services, come back to the house and have a nice dinner. And so when we arrived back at the house, the box of chocolate was not on the end table. 
We had white carpeting throughout the entire house and there was blobs of upchucked chocolate everywhere. Our dog got into it. So instead of <clears throat> having to make this wonderful meal for this family that came over, we were cleaning up chocolate upchuck all around the white carpeting. Now that can throw some of us for a loop. That's just a common suffering that we're going to go through. Although I think our dog suffered more than we did. The second kind of suffering is what we'll call carnal suffering. And I think all of us can attest to the time that we've gone through that. That's where we made a wrong choice and we are now suffering because of it. Perhaps here in Hawaii, you know that we shouldn't use our cell phone without being hands-free. And if you use your cell phone and get a ticket, then you know that that's what we call carnal suffering. Maybe you sped or did something that was violation of the law and the law came down on you or you didn't put enough money in the parking meter. That's what we call carnal suffering. We know that we're going to have that into our life. And scripture says a man will reap what he sows. So if we sow to the flesh or we will reap of the flesh the problems that we have. That's called carnal suffering. And some of you might be living now because of wrong choices that you made because of greed, bitterness, and moral impurity in the past. The third kind is what we call Christian suffering. This is when you really do try to live a life separated unto the Lord and full of the Spirit and to do things right. But because you're a Christian and you've chosen to make decisions in your life as a Christian, the world comes against you. And the world could be anyone who's a non-Christian or it could be Christians who are very immature that haven't surrendered themselves to the Lord and they come against you. I was doing a, a, a preparation for this message, a study on what I called modern martyrs. You ought to go and Google modern martyrs and look at all the sites to talk about how many modern martyrs there are. One site said that there is over 485 Christians that are killed for the faith every day somewhere in the world. That is a huge statistic when you put it against an entire year of people. And they are suffering because of what we call Christian suffering. Now, I don't know that any of you have ever been in a situation where that it almost cost you your life because you're a Christian. Maybe some of you wore your Christianity a little bit more out in front of you and it was challenging you on your job. Or maybe it's with your family when you told other family members that, you know, I really worship the Lord with God's people on Sunday, so I can't participate in that family activity. Or perhaps some of you decided to go to a conference when other people were wanting you to do something else because you wanted to be fed, and so they kind of yin-yanged you a little bit. Or maybe you chose not to laugh or to pass on an off-color joke. And so again, you receive some little bit of persecution with that. Well, I don't know where you are, but I do know that whether it's going to be the common suffering or occasionally we misstep and we have some carnal suffering or whether we actually go all out for God and the world comes against us because of that, we're going to go through that kind of suffering. But there are five responses to this that this passage of Scripture speaks to and it's going to be very, very helpful to you because Peter is the one who is writing this underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he knew a lot about suffering. Remember the times he took a stand for the Lord even before... He was filled with the Spirit. And then afterwards, all the challenges that he went through after he then surrendered to the Lord and had the Holy Spirit. So he knew a lot about it. So let's look at these five briefly and see if maybe there's something you can take into your life so you can be encouraged when you go through suffering. Here's the first one. Realize that suffering is going to happen. Just realize that it's going to happen. Notice the verse in verse 12. It says this, Peter writing, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through is if something strange were happening to you. So he's basically saying, don't be caught off guard. It happened to me. It's going to happen to you. 
There are many Bible scholars and Greek scholars that would like to refer to that fiery trial as not just some kind of an emotional fiery trial, although it could be a part of it, but they actually say that's a literal fiery trial where the Christians were actually being martyred even in the New Testament days for their faith and soon thereafter. So he says, don't think it's strange that it's going to happen to you. And I'd like to say that if it could happen to the early Christians, it can happen to other martyrs in other parts of the world, it can happen to you and me. Yes, you may not lose your life, but it still can come against you in some strange way. I remember I was tested in the first area of what you might want to call this kind of Christian suffering. I trusted Christ in November when I was 16. By the following summer, I went to my very first summer camp. And at camp, I really gave it all up for the Lord as a Christian. I said, Lord, now I want you to be the Lord of my life and I'm going to give my life to you. I don't know what that means, but whatever you want, you can have it. And during the break time while the other kids were playing sports, I decided to um, improperly go off the grounds of Bible Town. Now, Bible Town is found in Boca Raton. This is before they built the big conference center there. These were just old barracks, military barracks that they used during World War II that were converted into dorm rooms and a meeting room. And so I went over to the ball field and I started passing out tracks. And after I passed out a few tracks, it was a group of guys that were kind of rough looking. But I don't know, maybe just because I was young and immature, I went up to them and started handing them a track. And they said, oh, you're one of those Christians. I said, yes. I said, you know, I know how to have eternal life. And I'd like to share with you how you can know for sure you can go to heaven when you die. And the ringleader of the group grabbed me and says, you mean you know you're going to heaven when you die? I said, you bet I do because I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. So he then nearly drags me to his car. All the guys are behind him. One snatches my new Bible out of my hand, grabs the tracks out of my other hand, and they pop the trunk. And in the trunk, they had a gun in the trunk. And they held a gun to my head. This is not an exaggerated story. And he said, do you mean if I killed you right now, you're not afraid to die? And I said, well, I'm not afraid of going to heaven. I'm just not real happy about how I might get there. And of course, they laughed at that, and I don't know if they weren't going to do anything or what. All I know, that disarmed him. Another time, someone was invited to my office for the purpose of giving him the gospel. When he arrived, the conversation went south. The man pulled a gun from his waist, held it to my head, and was going to kill me. And so then we talked about that. He was inebriated, and we calmed him down. We gave him a couple of Bible verses. Soon after that, he trusted Christ. He ended up taking a Gideon Bible that I gave to him, and in place of that, he gave me his gun, which I then took from him quickly and got it away. The third time, moving here on the island, I had another guy come here. I don't know so much it was because he knew I was a Christian and he was against Christians. I think he was just a little bit challenged emotionally and mentally. But he too wanted to do bodily harm to me so much so that the police came on their own to me to have me put a restraining order. Now, do any of you want to hang around me? I don't think so, all right? It just seems like I'm a magnet for this stuff. But here's my point. I don't know whether you're out there for the faith or you're living a life that the Lord will bring people to you and out of every single one of those times, the Lord does deliver. So, folks, I want you to expect suffering, whether it's just a natural suffering of life as a human being, whether that you choose to do something wrong and then we have to suffer the consequences of it, or you decide to go all out for the faith, it's going to come against you. And so we can just pretty much expect it. Notice the verse I have here with John chapter 15. I like this one because it really kind of helps us identify with Christ. Here's what Jesus said. He said, do you remember what I told you? Kind of like, man, I've been telling this over and over again. A servant is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. So remember, the more you decide to live a separated life to the Lord and to put your Christianity out there for other people, when they do come against you, they're really not coming against you. They're coming against Christ and the biblical principles and that whole 
uh, Christian worldview that you, that you have. And so really, if they persecute Christ, they'll persecute you. And then I have this verse in Ephesians that might help you understand where this is all coming from. Let me read you the verse and then I'll kind of show you how this approaches us. It says this in Ephesians 6.12. For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world. God, sounds spooky, doesn't it? But this is truth. This is really going on. Against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Now let me see if I can explain it to you this way. Some of you that uh, play games on your computers or maybe on your screen, I don't know, they call it virtual this, virtual war, virtual flying a plane, virtual racing cars, you know, that kind of thing. And so they call that virtual, meaning that it looks like reality, but it's not really reality, but it's as close as you can get it depending on the quality of your system. So they call it virtual reality. Well, if you look at it this way, in a real sense, we're living our life now almost only in a virtual reality. Because there's another part of this reality that we can't see, but we're still experiencing it. There's this unseen world of God and Satan, and all of that is in a world that we cannot see. So the real world includes this world in an unseen world that is happening right now, right in our community. I wish I had the time to delineate all of that. Now stay with me on this thought. You have God and you have, and you have Satan. Now they're the ones that are, in a sense, battling it out. Now, many of you many years ago remember the magazine called Mad Magazine? Remember how they'd have spy versus spy and see who would win that spy event? How many remember Mad Magazine and spy versus spy? Okay, good. All right, now back to this. <clears throat> Early in my Christian life, before I had any Bible knowledge, I knew that there was a Satan, I knew that there was a God, and I knew there was some kind of a battle going on, but I didn't realize this. That it wasn't so much that they're battling it out to see who's more powerful, and eventually at the very end, the Lord kind of, he gets a little bit of the leg up on Satan. No, God is so infinitely powerful that Satan is powerful, but he can only do what God permits him to do. Now stay with me on this, because the suffering that we're getting from this unseen world is this. Satan hates God, but he also knows that the way that he can now, in a sense, attack God is to get you and me as Christians now to stop worshiping the very person that Satan absolutely hates. And so now he goes after you and me. But it's really not you and me that Satan wants. It's really to do everything he can to bring God down in some measure. Now maybe I could frame it to you in an earthly illustration. And you parents will understand what I mean if you have your kids involved in community sports. When you're watching your son or daughter do soccer, baseball or softball or kickball or whatever they're doing, you know, you're watching them play. But when you see someone else picking on your kids mercilessly, doesn't that make the hair on the back of your neck kind of rise a little bit? And you want to, do I fight the battle for them? Do I let them fight the battle? How far do I go? What do I do? But all you're thinking is, protect my kids so that they don't go down in something. Now, why am I saying this? So the Lord up there, he is watching us being attacked by Satan in the way that Satan would come against us through others. And so he's basically saying, Satan, you hurt me, you hurt my kids. And so Satan is using all these things to come against you and me only because he hates the Lord. And that's why we're not really fighting against one another. There's another battle going on and we become the pawns, not the P-O-N-Z, but the P-A-W-N-S in all of this. And that's what God says. So realize that suffering is going to come in our life. Number two. This gets even more difficult. Rejoice when suffering comes. Now look at this verse. It's beautifully written here. Look at it. 
Follow along as I read it to you to rejoice when suffering happens. Now, this is hard. It's easy reading, but it's hard applying. It says, instead, in other words, don't be surprised. So instead of being surprised, be very glad or rejoice. Now, if this is your Bible and you want to circle the phrase, very glad. Notice it doesn't say be glad. It says be very glad. And then it says, because these trials will make you partners with Christ. I'll talk about that in a moment. In a suffering And afterward, you'll have the wonderful joy. Now circle that. It doesn't say joy. It says wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it is displayed to all the world. Then it says, be happy. Now circle it again. Three times in two verses, it says, be very glad, have wonderful joy, and be happy if you're insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious spirit of God will come upon you. So three times it says to rejoice when this thing begins to happen. Now, for some of you, you might need to understand that there's a difference between enjoying and rejoicing. Enjoying is this. Enjoying is simply getting pleasure out of something. Something you do brings you great pleasure. For me, one of the times for me is on a Saturday afternoon when pretty much everything is done. Now I want to really drill down deep into my spirit. And so I'll have my Bible and I will have usually a good biography of a godly person And that moment that I have about an hour and a half in the back porch, just the word of God, the Lord, no more pressure. I can now let God feed my soul, so to speak. I call that my time. It's like I enjoy that time. It's a special little time for me. Why? Because it's something that I enjoy doing. That is not rejoicing. Rejoicing is different. Rejoicing means that I choose to rejoice or choose to have joy in spite of whatever is going on. So there's a big difference between everything is going around, going real well, so I'm enjoying myself, I'm enjoying that time, to things are all hell breaking loose against me, but I'm still choosing mentally to rejoice during that time. Now that's something that you and I can do. It may be very difficult, and sometimes it's going to take a great deal of maturity to come to that point, and sometimes a chance for you to reposition what's going on and process through this. But in your heart, you want to get to that point of rejoicing. Now let me qualify that. Different people will experience the concept of rejoicing differently than other people will. So some people, they'll have that euphoric moment. Others will just know, you know, God is in control and that's enough to make me experience the sense of rejoicing. To help you with that, I wanted to give you some reasons to rejoice for those of you that are still maybe pushing back. All right, should I really rejoice? Why should I really rejoice? Shouldn't I really own up to this? Now again, Going through the suffering doesn't mean you deny it. doesn't mean in order for you to rejoice, you have to deny the pain. It just means that you choose to be joyful during the pain. So how do I do this? What are my reasons? Here's number one. Suffering draws me closer to God. Suffering draws me closer to God. Now, it can. It's really, again, our choice. If I choose to rejoice, if I choose to see this situation as an opportunity to become more intimate with the Lord, then it's going to draw me closer to the Lord. If you'll go back to the verse again, you're going to see the, the concept of partnering with the Lord. Do you see that? Go back to the verse. It says, because these trials will make you partners with Christ. Would you mark that? It's the idea of koinonia. It's the idea of fellowship. It's like the idea of having things in common. Some of you know already that Philippians 3.10 talks about that as well. When it talks about, do you know him and the fellowship of his suffering? Now, folks, there's a great deal of difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Let me speak to this. We can take a lot of seminars, conferences, Bible study classes, theology classes, apologetics classes that will really help us to understand about the Bible. They'll give us a lot of the background, historically, geographically, theologically, languages. All of that is important. 
But sometimes it's easier for us to see all the facts of information because we're able to process that better. But what the Lord says is we need to know Him. There's a difference between knowing about the Bible and knowing the Bible. There's a difference between knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. Now stay with me on this. If you're going to know, uh, if you're going to know Christ in order to really know the Christ of the Bible, it is important that you know the Bible historically, geographically, uh, 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 theologically, so you need to have that good foundation so you will be knowing the real Christ of the Bible. But what you have to do is to go beyond the steps of just knowing the facts. Let me use this illustration. Seven years ago, when we were beginning to hear about International before we came, we started to talk to different folks before we came to Canada in, in April of 2005. And in the course of that conversation, I'm getting a lot of background of the church. And part of the background was who's on staff. And who was on staff at the time was Pastor Dennis. And so I asked about Pastor Dennis, tell me about him. And so they gave me his background and what he did and where he came from, his missionary. Well, what kind of a personality does he have? And then he told me about his personality. What does he do around the church? Tell me about what he did around the church. What kind of a guy is he? And then told me what kind of a guy Dennis was. So I, I knew a lot about Christ. Or Christ, excuse me, Dennis. <clears throat> He wanted me to say that in front of his wife so his wife would remember that. No, no. Knew a lot about Dennis. But you know where I'm going. It wasn't here until I really sat in the office and I watched Dennis operate. I saw him when things went right, when things went wrong. I heard his advice. I learned his heart. So now I know Dennis. Now here's the real truth. I still don't know Dennis like Vivian does. And I'm going to stop with that. Okay? So the point simply being is this is that we really need to know the Lord. And one of the best ways to know the Lord is not just He died on the cross and rose again, but we experience in our own little way some of the sufferings that Christ went through. And we talked about that last week. When we talked about healing the inner wounds. So keep that in mind. It draws me closer to the Lord and how important that is. But number two, what will be a reason to rejoice is the Lord will provide me with extra strength. With extra strength. You know, when you go through this, the Lord is looking at his child and he's seeing you and me go through this suffering. And especially if it's the unleashing of Satan and the unseen world against us through other people. And just like you see your kids and you're trying to decide when do I step in and when do I let them kind of man up and boy up and girl up on this thing and yet still be there to kind of guide them through this time of challenge. Well, the Lord is right there with us, giving us the strength because whatever we're going through now is only to prepare us for the next challenge that we have. Now, some of you just went... Did you hear what I said? What you're going through right now is to strengthen you, to draw you closer to the Lord, to prepare you for the next thing that the Lord brings. Because in order for us to become even more usable, we have to be stronger every year, every day in the Lord on this. And so it tells me, it gives me greater strength. Now go back to the verse here. It says, be happy if you're insulted for being a Christian, okay? For then the glorious spirit of God, I love that. Some translations refer to it this way. For then the spirit of the glory of God will come upon me. Now that phrase come upon you might throw some of you a little bit here because most of you know in the New Testament, when you trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And so you say, wait, 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 I already have the Holy Spirit. Here it says it comes upon us. Well, that's true. But in the context of the original language, the word come upon really means the word when the Holy Spirit rests upon you. And really that is a Greek word that's used to mean to refresh you or to revive you. So it's not only so much that I get this spiritual power to go through this, but the Spirit of God gives us the ability to kind of power down in our worry and our fear, power up on our confidence that, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't solve this. I, I, can't, I can't stop this thing. This train is hitting me. 
So all I can do now is to rest in the Lord. And that resting in God is the rest that God has within us through the Holy Spirit. So that's where your extra strength comes from. There's just that final release. Let me ask you a question if you don't mind. Can you remember a time that you're going through such a time of persecution in your life and you did everything you could to, nav- could to navigate through that, sort it all through, and it kept you up at night and you struggle with it, but then there was this threshold, there was this breakthrough that you had that finally you said, you know what, there's nothing I can do about it, there's no more problems I can solve, all I've got to do now is I can't stop this thing, so I'm just going to kind of just give up and let go and let God take me through this and see what happens on the other end. Have any of you gone through an experience like that through any suffering that you've had? Would you raise your hand if you've done that? Okay, that moment that that happened, I would imagine if you're like me, that there was an additional strength that you didn't have before, additional confidence, a diff- I was revived, and I'm going to make it through this. It's going to be okay. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be fine. That is a reason to rejoice, is that you'll be given that extra bit of confidence, that reviving from the Lord. Now, number three, it's a special honor to suffer as a Christian. I know some of you say, I don't want that honor. I, I-, I realize that. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.